We're kind of spending a summer talking about the basics of our faith and we're starting with who God is. And we said a couple weeks ago that our God doesn't just act with us and He's loving and kind and gracious and all that, but He is something. We said our God is holy. He's totally different. He's in a category of His own. Our God is sovereign and He is in control over this world that He has made and the universe that He has made. But today we're going to talk about the part of God because we, we know from the Bible that God presents Himself three in one, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about the, the part of God that I think is the most controversial, or at least over the centuries has been. We're going to talk about the Lamb of God, the, the Son of God, Jesus. And Becky, if we have that uh, pretest up here, I want you to look at this. I don't want you to answer it. We're going to have some interaction today, but I don't want you to answer this out loud. I just want you to look at these five statements, and I want you to decide which one of them best describes who Jesus is. Is he God? Is he a man? Is he both God and man? Is he a God and for 33 years looked like a man? Or is he a man who had an incredibly tight connection with God? Which one of those, in your mind, is the one that best describes who Jesus is? And if you've had some trouble as you're looking at those going, man, a couple of them look good, you're not alone. Over the centuries, people have argued... (laughs) and discussed and tried to wrap themselves around this. And and remember, we're trying to answer something of an awesome, incredible God who's trying to communicate to us, kind of limited brain people, who He is. And so sometimes it's hard to understand. Well, here, here are kind of the options that you have. Number one, you could say Jesus is God, but He's not really a man. Uh, This was what the Gnostics said back in the first century. They could not wrap their minds around this concept of of physical and and spiritual coming together in a person. And so they said, no, Jesus was a spiritual being and therefore He couldn't have been a physical being. Second option is you could say, well, Jesus is a man, but He's not really God. Uh, He was a good prophet. He was a good model, he was a good teacher, really tight with God, but he wasn't God himself. That's the one that I think more people in our generation are probably thinking. And then there's the option of saying, no, Jesus is both. He's both God and he's man. And and I don't want you to choose the option that I've chosen I want you, as we look to the Scriptures today and kind of think through it together, to come up with what you think, not what your mom said, not what your pastor said, but what do you think God's Word says is true about this Jesus guy? Well, there's a lot of evidence in the Bible about Jesus. Most of it's in the New Testament, not all of it. But I've, I've kind of divided it into two parts. We're first going to talk about what did Jesus say about Himself And then we're going to kind of go to the second one of what did other people in the Bible say about Jesus? Well, if you have a Bible, turn to John chapter 10. That's what we're going to start. If you didn't bring a Bible, you can grab a Bible in the chair that's in front of you or over one. 
We're going to be in John chapter 10. If you want to use the Pew Bible, it's on page 1062. John chapter 10, page 1062. And at this part of the story, Jesus is talking with the Jews and they're trying to get him to, to tell them clearly, are you the Messiah or aren't you? Quit, quit beating around the bush. And Jesus says to them, I've already told you, but you're not listening. You, you won't believe it. But look what he says in verse 30. An amazing statement. He says, I and the Father are one. He not only says He's the Messiah, He says that Him and the Father are both God. We are one. And I just want you to tell me, have any of you ever heard anybody kind of interpret this? What did Jesus mean when he said, me and the Father are one. What are some options out there? I've heard some different people, as I've kind of showed them the Scripture, say, yeah, well, here's what I... Anybody have anyone that's kind of told them, here's what I think that means? I had a guy one time, well, what, what he's saying is, me and the Father are one in purpose. Okay, he could mean that. He doesn't go into details. Any, any other options that you've heard? I heard one that was m- me, I mean, Jesus and the Father are one in, in their mission, what they're trying to accomplish in this world. And that's what he meant. Well, you can have your opinion, they can have their opinion, I can have my opinion, but I would go to the people who listened to this the very first time, and I want to show you something. They knew exactly what he was saying. Look down in verse 31. It says, Again, the Jews picked up stones to stone him. They had done this before, by the way, and he slipped away from them. And Jesus said to them, I've shown you many great miracles from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? And they said, We are not stoning you for any of those miracles which you have done, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. You and I can interpret Jesus saying, I and the Father are are one any way we want. But they heard Him say, I am God. Turn back a couple chapters. John chapter 8. Again, He's having a conversation with some of the Jews and the conversation turns to Abraham. And When we were in Genesis, we learned that Abraham was like the father of the nation of Israel. And so he's a very revered man that lived 4,000 years ago or 2,000 years before Jesus. But look at what Jesus says about himself in verse 58 as compared to Abraham. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. Remember a guy named Moses? Moses was talking to God one day, and and Moses said, you know, we're kind of simple people. Who do I tell the Jews, the, the nation of Israel, you are? And God, you know, trying to think through the how do you communicate God in people, he said, tell them this, I am sent you. And Jesus says to the Jews, before Abraham was born, I am. And they knew exactly 
what he meant by that. Look at verse 59. At this they picked up stones to stone him for blasphemy. You're calling yourself equal with God. And we're going to kill you. But he hid himself slipping away from the temple grounds. You don't need to turn there. But in John chapter 5, Jesus is having a terrible time with the Jews again. In verse 16, he says, So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jews persecuted him. Jesus said to them, My father is always at his work on this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, the Jews tried all the harder to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Jesus hung out with his disciple friends. And he hangs out with them for about three years. And one time, the disciples are trying to, like, so how's this working, you and God? And here's what Philip says in John chapter 14. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you for such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? I don't know how much plainer it gets than that. We have out of the words, out of the mouth of Jesus, I am God. I am equal with God. I am. The Father and I are one. If you've seen the Father, you've, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. But not only Jesus says it about Himself, other Scripture writers kind of explain it, at least the best as you can explain in human terms, how this works. So we got John the writer who probably says the most about Jesus, if you turn to the very beginning of the book of John, if you were there in John chapter 8, still turn to the very beginning of the book of John. And in John chapter 1, at the very beginning of his gospel, to explain who this Jesus is, right off the bat, he says, let me get this clear. Let me help you understand what's going on here. He says, in the beginning was the Word. And and the Word was John's pet name for Jesus. He was the Word of God. Just like you could call Him the Son of God. He was the Word of God. He says, in the beginning was the Word. Just like in Genesis, in the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was... With God in the beginning, and through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing has been made, was made that has been made. And, and we see here, and in the other Scriptures we're going to look at, Jesus is the Creator. A lot of people think the Father is the Creator. Jesus is the Creator. But it says that in the beginning, before time began, before the world began, we have Jesus with God, and Jesus is God. That, that's hard for us to wrap our minds around, I know. But He's with them and He is Him. Look at the way the beginning of the book of Hebrews puts it. writer says, In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in many ways. In the Old Testament, that's how we kind of heard of what God had to say through the prophets. But, verse 2, In these last days, God has spoken to us by His Son, 
whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom him through whom he made the universe. He's the creator. The Son, verse 3, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Paul says at the beginning of his letter to the Colossians, and starting in verse 15, a bunch of things about Jesus. He says he's the image of the invisible God, for by him all things are created. He is before all things. He is the head of the body, the church. Verse 19, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. But my personal favorite is what Paul says at kind of the the Christmas story of Paul, at least, in Philippians chapter 2. If you have your Bible, turn there, and we're going to kind of just camp there for a while. You can just leave your Bibles there. Philippians chapter 2, it's on page 1162, if you have a Bible from the chair in front of you. Philippians chapter 2, 1162, he's talking about trying to live like Jesus. And he's going to tell us something about Jesus that we're supposed to imitate. And that thing is humility. We're supposed to be humble like Jesus. But in the midst of telling why he kind of holds Jesus up as the real humble guy that we should imitate, he says something incredible about Jesus. Verse 5, he says, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. And who was this Jesus? Verse 6, who being in very nature God, he is by nature God, he didn't consider equality with God, he's equal to God, something to be grasped, something to be held on to. But he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. He says, this Jesus who has been in heaven since eternity past with the Father and the Spirit did did not regard His throne room existence so wonderful and so full of privileges that He said, no, I'm not going down there. He didn't hold on and say, no, I'm not leaving my throne. He said, if that's the Father's will, then I will leave my heavenly home and go down to earth. He is equal with God. He is by very nature God. And in fact, I think the only other option you have if you take the Bible seriously is that Jesus is a nutcase if He's not God. Because He says He is. They explain the whole, how did He do that? And though we can't totally wrap our minds around how how do you be God and man at the same time, the Bible says He is God. Well, let's assume for a second that you believe that. Even if you don't, let's go on to the second part. What about the man part? Uh, Some people would say, well, yeah, he's God, but maybe he was like a ghost. He wasn't really a man while he was here. He was a ghost. I want you to talk to your neighbor for about 30 seconds, and I want you to think of uh, something in the story of Jesus in the Bible that would make you believe he's not a ghost, he's not a theophany, he's not an angel, but he's really flesh and blood man. Think of one or two things and maybe be ready to share. 30 seconds.
All right, my hunch is there's some, some options out there. Are we going to try and write this down? We're, we've never done this before, but we're, we talked to the PowerPoint. We're going to try and write your answers down. So give me some evidence from the Scriptures that would make you believe that Jesus really was a flesh and blood man. Okay, he bled while he was on the cross. He bled. Okay, while he was on the cross, he was thirsty. Oh, so we're just going to pretend we're a man and we're just pretending we're thirsty or that we had like theatrical blood (laughs) dripping at the cross thing. He wept. He had emotions. Real tears came down when he heard that his friend had died and he wasn't there. And even though he knew he was going to raise him from the dead, he literally cried. He grew up. He came through the birth canal and grew up in different heights and got to, we don't know how tall he was, but he literally had a growing thing happen that that people watched. He was hungry. I really relate to that. (laughs) He was hungry. He had to eat. This wasn't just like, okay, I'll sit down and have some fish with my friends to make it look like I'm a man. Yes, emotionally. He, he talked to God, God, are you sure about this suffering thing? This is not going to be good. He had emotions that he had to work through. Jacob, he died. He breathed his last. Oh, let's make this look good. <gasps> I don't think so. And we could go on. It just boggles my mind, unless you don't believe the Scriptures, and and that's fine if you don't, but if you believe what the Bible says about Jesus, He's flesh and blood all over the place. He even said in John chapter 8, He said to the muckety-mucks, He said, as it is, you're determined to kill me, me, a man who has told you the truth, that I have heard from God. But he did all of this in a very physical way. And unless this was acting or something, it makes no sense to think that Jesus was anything other than flesh and blood. Remember Thomas, the guy who kind of couldn't quite wrap himself around that Jesus really had risen from the dead? Here, Put your finger in my hand and put your finger where the nails were, baby. That wasn't theatrical stunts. Well, John says at the beginning of his gospel that, you know, Jesus was the Word and the Word became, excuse me, he was God and he was with God. And then 13 verses later, this is what he says that the Word became flesh became skin and bones. He might have even had pimples. And if he was out working hard, my hunch is his mother told him to go take a shower. Well, did they have showers back then? Maybe a bath. But he wasn't some kind of fake in human form only. He was flesh and blood. Philippians chapter 2, do you still there? We kind of settled in on verse 6 the last time that he 
He's very nature God and He's equal with God. But verse 7 goes on to say, He made Himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. Let me ask you this. If God came to you today and said, I'd like you for my purposes tomorrow to become a maggot, would that be really exciting to you? That would not be exciting to me. Porpoise, maybe. That would be cool. Bald eagle, yeah. But, but maggot, slug, no. In a nice way, that's exactly what the Scripture says. Even though he is sitting in the throne room of God 2,000 years ago enjoying all it means to be at the right hand of the Father, his Father says, in my plan, I want you to become one of them. Nothing. I want you to become a maggot for 33 years. And he literally took on the flesh and bones and blood of a man while he was here. So we have 100% God. We have 100% man. Not a ghost disguised as a man. Not a man who's just really close to God. He is God in the flesh. Becky, put that... uh, pretest back up is it a little easier to figure out which one's right at least scripturally if you believe the scriptures which one's right i think c is your only option that he is both god and man he didn't just look like a man he wasn't just close to god he is god and he is man but you know what the real kicker to me is I mean, just think of this. Why in the world? Like, if God wanted you to become a maggot, I would go, okay, I'm good with that, but is there a reason for this? I mean, like, is there a point behind me becoming a maggot? Like, are you trying to teach me humility or something? Like, I don't think Jesus had to be taught anything. So what was the point of Him dying? I want you to talk to your neighbor for 30 seconds. I want you to... What was the point of God taking on a bod? What was the point of that? Why did it happen? 30 seconds at the most. You only get 15 on this one. Why would God take on a bod? What was the point of that? Okay, for this one I need somebody who is 17 years old or younger to give us an answer. Anybody that's 17 years old or younger? I see that hand, Ben. Give us a shot. Why in the world would God want His Son to take on a bod? What was the point of that? To save us. From what? From our sin. All right. To save us from our sin. I couldn't hear that one. Okay? No, there's something about coming down to be something that helps you relate. There is a lot of times that I wish I could have spent like a day being a woman, being married to one, you know, just to be able to relate better. You know, I wouldn't want to spend long, but I just, a, just a day. I've asked Jenny, wouldn't you like to be a guy for a day just to understand better? There's something about relating to humanity by being a human. Well, you know what the Scripture says? 
The Scripture says there was something incredibly specific about the whole point of this God and Abad thing. Philippians chapter 2, verse 8. If you're still there, you don't have to turn there. Philippians chapter 2, verse 8. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Back to John. What does John have to say? Chapter 1, verse 11. He came to that which was his own, but his own would not receive him. He came to the Jews, and the Jews were like, yeah, whatever. They did not believe he was the Messiah. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. He gave people a chance to become part of His family in a spiritual forever realm. And my favorite, again, Christmas story part, Ben's right. Even in the naming of Jesus, Joseph gets the why did He come. Matthew chapter 1. The angel says to Joseph, Mary will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Yeshua. Deliverer. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. In Colossians, Paul puts it this way, verse 20 of chapter 1. And through Jesus to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on heaven and on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. That's why He came. It wasn't to be a good teacher, though He taught us some great things. It wasn't to just model godliness in the flesh, though we, we got to see that. We often talk about that. Man, do it like Jesus would do it. But He came for one specific purpose, And that was to die on a cross. That was to shed His blood so that your sins and my sins would not get in the way of us having a relationship with God forever. And as John said, for all those who will receive Him, for all those who will accept that present that God has given you of His Son, you will be called sons and daughters of the Most High. So He came as the perfect God-man to be able to relate to us, to be a man in the flesh and to have that flesh given up for us as a sacrifice. But to be God at the same time so that fleshly man would never sin and the sacrifice would be perfect. The perfect Lamb that we sang about before. I hope you know that perfect Lamb in a personal way. Not just that you know His name, but you know that you have understood that He was sent not for the sins of the world. Yes, that is true. But He was sent for your sins. I figured that out when I was about 13 years old. I was all about, yep, I'm a great Christian kid because my parents are Christians and I don't do too many bad things. And I finally figured out that Jesus was sent for Mark and I asked Him to be my Savior 
when I was 13. If you have never done that, if you have never come to that point in your life, I would love to talk to you after the service and show you from God's Word how you can know you are part of His eternal family.